We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Walton, right back into your lives. Talking about Flow Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Audio side, we're also on YouTube as well. It's been a while, man. It's been a minute, actually, going back a, a week or two before the NFL draft back in late April. But I am going to be joined today. In fact, I'm joined right now by my good friend, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. What's happening, buddy? What's up, buddy, man? It has been a while. It's been a while since I've chatted. I'm not in DMs. We're chatting all the time. but Oh, yeah, yeah. We talk all the time. Internet. Yeah, yeah, it's the first time I've had you on the podcast, though, in about a month and a half. This is, so we're in early June right now. Obviously, everything football-wise, for the most part, that can happen has happened. You know, you got the schedule. You got the draft before that. You got free agency. Training camp, of course, is starting in late July. I mean, you get some OTAs and minicans. But right now, this is kind of like your... Dead zone. Downtime for you and yeah. Greg? Uh, yes and no. Uh, there's a, a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we can't do during the season or during the draft season because that catches right on after the sure. season. Uh, so it's a lot of internal house cleaning. So you don't, we're maybe we're not putting as much necessarily time into the podcast where we're only doing the one pod a week and it's more of a positional preview type thing kind of sure. going through the rosters that's not as hard of work to do on the podcast side but a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes a lot of stuff we're excited uh so if you are a fan of cover one you know stay tuned i think we're going to be rolling out some stuff here as the season starts it's going to be really cool for our fans um but yeah no it's a constant grind man and it really is the nfl the way they shape this schedule for the nfl these days if you're an nfl content creator it really isn't an off season because when it's dead right now, you there's still stuff happening, right? Which we're going to talk about some of that today, but then you really do have to do all the catch up and clean up all the internal stuff and and clean up your own house before the next season starts right up here in a month and a half before we're at training game. Yeah. Now listen, man, it's not like we've been doing this for our whole lives, but we're also not rookies either. Right. Even in the last, what, three to five years or so Mm. just the content, it seems to be, it seems to be easier to come up with creative ideas, even this time of year. Like, again, after the draft from May and June into July, sometimes it, it could get a little tough coming up with concepts that you want to do. But in this just constant cycle of the NFL just dominating the news, it kind of just, you know, your shows just kind of write themselves in a way. And then, like I said, in your case, you guys were are starting with the uh, positional previews. But, yeah, it's almost like you could almost do this with your eyes closed at this point, ain't it? Yeah. And something always comes up, whether it's, you know, bills related, there's a good chance here, you know, in the next month or so that one of these potential extensions gets done that uh, people have been talking about, you know, maybe Poyer gets done and then there's more content there. So there's the NFL is just constantly open for business. And if you were covering the NFL itself, I mean, there is no downtime, even the, you know, whether it's the the Sean Watson news is taking up headlines all the time or just injuries happening at OTAs. Like there's always some content really, No other sport, in my opinion, maybe I'm a a little bit of a homer to football because I follow it and I I pod for it, but really no sports have this type of all year hype where people are excited for OTAs. I mean, we're talking about dudes running around in shorts and people are just can't get enough. Right. I agree. And you said to your point, something's always going on. One of those things, the Bills signed uh, Tavon Austin last week. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes as well. I want to talk about the wide receiver group as a whole. I think that's a crowded room. And I think going into camp, I don't think there's a lot of uh, 
training camp battles, so to speak, but I do think the back end of the wide receiving uh, unit can turn out to be interesting. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Peter King um, writing about Josh Allen. I got a nice quote from his column that he wrote. He dropped it, I, I believe, on Monday. Uh, I also want to spend a few minutes talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick retiring. We'll get to all that in just a couple of minutes. So first, a couple of things. Actually, you know, before we get into any sports talk, I just want to give some quick props to Dave Chappelle. Now, right. I don't know if people out there who are, who are watching this or listening to this, if they even knew this, but because it kind of was like, Somebody as big as Dave Chappelle, usually if he's coming to town, you know about that like weeks, if not months ahead of time. And, you know, <laughs> tickets are out there and you're trying to win them on radio stations and, and stuff like that. But this time, Dave Chappelle put together a uh, a concert or, or whatever, a comic appearance at Shea's Buffalo on Sunday. And it was only like a week or so before he went there. And uh, anyway, the tickets sold out. But as it turns out, Dave Chappelle took all of the, the ticket proceeds from the show and he donated all the proceeds to uh, the victims, the Jeffersons and the families of them, the survivors fund. And I just want to point that out before we get going. I thought that was a He's really classy thing. Yeah, man. I look, man, I'm a, I'm a big Dave Chappelle fan. I, I've been a fan of his for a very long time. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I think that's really cool. What he's, he's did, always cool like know. that, even his, uh, you know, special during the pandemic. And I think the proceeds that he raised from that went to different things, funding, mm -hmm. funding, uh, I think it was money of for George Floyd's family, maybe uh, for that mm -hmm. special, something yeah. like that. He, he's always he's made Dave Chappelle's made a lot of money. And so sure. but a lot of people have and you don't always see everyone giving back in that type of manner. But he's the man speaking of Dave Chappelle. Have you seen the latest Norm Macdonald special that came out I on did. Netflix? I did. Um, and Chappelle at the end, man, the way the special was cool. Uh, fans of Norm Macdonald out there, I think we, we'll enjoy it. I enjoyed the special itself and, and Norm's jokes. The after of hearing. I thought a, it was even better. A god of comedy like Dave Chappelle just talk about this dude and putting him on a pedestal was unbelievable for me to listen to sitting back and listen to some of the best comedic minds of our generation talk about that. Yeah, it was a really open conversation. It was really cool. Uh, Dave yeah. Letterman, um, Conan, Molly Shannon, uh, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, uh, David Spade, David Spade. Yeah, that was that was really good. I actually, it was a little bit weird seeing him do a comedy bit, so to speak. It was, I'm assuming it was taped during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Where yeah, there was yeah. no audience or anything, so he pretty much just did like a, a podcast, he, like you and I would be doing right now, and no microphone by himself. But he was working on material for a Netflix special. Right? Didn't uh, he? Didn't nobody knew he was sick that whole time? And they talked about that. Like all of his close friends in the comedy world had no idea that Norm was sick, and he had a doctor's appointment the next day. And so I think what he did was try to get this new material on tape, knowing that the doctor's appointment, everything wasn't going well. So knowing sure. that it could end at any point with the pandemic that he might not ever be able to actually tape the special, which was true. He wasn't able to do it. So foresight by him, a lot of morbid, you know, him talking about coming to terms with his own mortality, mortality and yeah. stuff like that, which in hindsight looks, uh, is kind of a sad thing, but it, the, again, listening to Chappelle, if you haven't watched it, you are a fan of Dave, even if you aren't a big fan of norm to listen to the way they talk about him, was unbelievable. Yeah, it was really cool. I enjoyed actually the conversation afterwards with everybody, that panel more than uh, the special itself, which was yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, man, props to Dave Chappelle. I thought that was really cool. You know, lost in like a tiny silver or sliver, I should say of uh, any type of silver lining over this awfulness that happened here a couple of weeks ago. It has been really nice to see people coming together that, you know, yeah. the bills, the Sabres, the alumni, the current players and stuff like that. And I, I, I still get a little bit shook when I see Bruce Smith, you know, the videos of him and just breaking down and, and losing a little bit. You could just tell how genuine and, and heartbroken he felt over that. But anyway, it's been, again, it's just an awful situation, of course, but it's been pretty cool to see some of that stuff. And, and, and Dave Chappelle definitely deserves uh, some credit for doing that. I want to circle back before we get into any current Bills talk. We did a five-week mock draft series, and I'd be remiss because I haven't had you on since the draft, because you yeah. did go to Vegas along with Greg and Eric to cover the draft for cover one. I kind of want to go back quickly, and this won't take long, because again, mm -hmm. I, I, I know this is old news, but I thought it would be fun to just look at how we did in our final mock. In terms of where these guys ended up going in the draft, I'm not going to talk about their performance. This would be something, God willing, if we're both still in this position a couple of years from now, 
it'd be fun to rewind this tape and right. you know go through this mock three years from now because then we could tell if these would have been good picks or not. We're just talking about the accuracy of how we drafted. So let me pull this up if you're watching on YouTube. It's on the screen. If not, I'm going to read these off to you. This was Aaron and I's, our, our final mock draft, version five. And this was about a, a week or so before the final draft. In not the first a single round, one. No, no, we didn't yeah, hit on right. one. But uh, all right, so the first round, we had Kenyon Green, uh, offensive guard from Texas A&M. In the second round, we took Cam Taylor Britt, a corner going to Nebraska. I want to talk about that in a minute because we took him in the third round of our first four mocks, and then mm -hmm. we moved him up to be safe. Um, in the third round, we took our running back, Isaiah Spiller, from mm -hmm. Texas A&M. Fourth round, Alec Pierce, wide receiver from Cincinnati. Uh, the fifth round, Chris Paul, a guard from Tulsa, interior offensive lineman, I should say, from Tulsa. Isaac Taylor Stewart, a corner from USC. We took him to sixth. And then we had two seventh rounders, Thomas Booker um, from Stanford, or a defensive uh, interior defensive lineman. And then Smoke Monday, uh, safety from Auburn, we took with our second of seven round picks. All right, so when we look back now at the draft, and uh, I think we were pretty reasonably accurate with most of these in terms of where they ended yeah. up going. Chris so Paul we, went later, right? Chris Paul did go later. So Kenya Green, we took with the first pick, 25th overall. He ended up going um, to Houston in the first round. I think pick 15. So he went, actually went 10 picks earlier. Yeah. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, in reality, also went in the second round. He went pick yeah. 60 to the Bengals. So he went just five picks, I think, after the Bills were supposed to be on the clock. The Bills, yeah. they traded down a couple times and ended up with James Cook. Yep. Um, in the third round, Spiller, Isaiah Spiller. We took him in the third. He ended up lasting into the fourth round. He went to uh, the Chargers right. in the fourth round. Pretty close there. In the fourth round, man, I kind of wish this would have worked out for the Bills as it turned out. We took Alec Pierce in the fourth round. What a steal that would have been. He ended up going to the Colts in the second round Yeah. Uh, of the draft. Um, actually, a couple spots where the Bills picked or were mm -hmm. on the clock in the second round. Chris Paul, we, we got him in the fifth. He ended up going in the seventh round to uh, Washington. Yeah. You should I have seen me in the draft media room of every round that the Bills didn't take an interior lineman. He was still on the board like, come on. Like, I had him in the fifth. Let's take him. But apparently <laughs> the NFL teams were in disagreement with the boards. Right. Isaac, Isaac Taylor Stewart, we took him in the sixth round of corner. He ended up going undrafted. Yep. Um, he went to East Side with Dallas. You know, I got to look up Thomas Booker because off the top of my head, I forgot to write him down. He's the one guy. I'm not sure where he went. I think he went. He did get drafted, though. I know he got drafted. I'll come back to him in a second. And then we took Smoke Monday, uh, a safety. Well, I did not know his real name is Quindarius. Nickname Smoke Monday. Um, anyway, he did not get drafted, and he signed shortly thereafter with the New Orleans Saints. I think all uh, in all. So, we, go ahead. Uh, Thomas Booker was drafted fifth round to the Houston Texans. All right, so we went in the fifth. Pick. So, all right, so I would say, you know, Pierce in the fourth, uh, Booker in the seventh. I, I, we took guys who ended up going earlier than what we did, so I would call those good value picks for sure. us. Cam Taylor-Britt was pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. um, Kenyon, and, and again, we kept taking him in the third round in our previous mocks, and then Kenyon Green actually ended up being the first guard taken in the draft. Yeah, uh, had his eye on Johnson, which was I thought that was kind of surprising, but to uh, me a little bit, yeah. But that was the argument I think when those guys were falling there it was like, man, how do you with the talent I remember that you had available at the number one pick? It's like, hey, you know, how do you not take this guy if he falls to you at that position? I think that we were probably right on that, and that he went fifteenth. So yeah, now we didn't get the players right, but I think for the well, with one exception here. I think we did a good job when it came to the positions that they were looking at. Like we took a corner in the second. Of course, the Bills took one in the first. Uh, we took a running back in the third and they took one in the second. And then we took a wide receiver in the fourth and the Bills ended up taking one in the fifth. So we weren't really off in terms of positional uh, value and what they were looking for at all. With the exception, and I was very surprised, the Bills didn't take any interior offensive linemen and we took two of them in the first five rounds and the Bills literally... Uh, didn't didn't take any. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Know, I guess. And again, this is old news. It's kind of the rehash the trash from the end of April. But as you look at this mock now, and you see what the Bills ended up doing in this draft, I don't know, man. I I, I thought our mock was pretty good. If this would have been, and it's easy to say now, you know, we'll be seen a couple of years. But had this been the Bills' actual draft, our mock draft, I would have been happy with it. 
I think so. Yeah, we won't know for a couple of years, but I yeah, I mean, just the fact that we had Pierce in the fourth and the NFL had him as a at least the Colts had him, which I respect the Colts. I think they're a good team. I sure. think they draft well. They had him as a second. I think that would have been a steal. So yeah, I mean, adding these this group of players that we drafted, I would have been very happy. Uh, but again, I'm happy with the Bills draft too. I think they yeah. did just as good of a job, if not better than we did uh, in our mock. So uh, either way, happy. And that's sort of the the process isn't so much accuracy. I think the thing for me every year doing those mocks with you or just doing the mocks in general is it's a good thought exercise that helps me to learn about how many prospects there are and knowing that it's a flawed process going into it. I think that that's my biggest beef with people in mocks is they go into it and then when I post one, they've been doing so many mocks and they're like, Oh, there's no way so-and-so goes here. Oh, there's no way so-and-so goes there. And it's like, yeah, none of a lot of the stuff's not going to be right, but you don't know that. And we don't know sure. that. And nobody knows until we get there. So at least have fun with it. Make it a thought exercise where you're learning throughout the whole process. That's the whole key too. I mean, I, yeah. there was probably a couple dozen players that I learned a lot about just from our conversations over the course of five different weeks. And I will say with the, with the actual draft, I was really excited because I was a big James Cook fan and, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little bit after night one. That was the guy I talked about on Twitter immediately after yeah. and the next morning. That's the guy that I wanted. So it would be kind of a uh, hypocritical for me to complain about a draft when I got the guy that quite literally um, True. I wanted. Anyway. All right. So that, that was fun to look back. And uh, like I said, this two years running now, hopefully we'll both be got again, God willing, we'll be around to be able to do this a third year next year. Um, So there was a little bit of Bill's news. Tavon Austin signed with them. Um, a name. So I, I get the buzz because he is a name. I want to first, I want to do two things. I want to talk about him a little bit as a player. I want to get your thoughts on him as a player and then maybe how he may or may not ultimately fit into this roster. The rundown on Tavon Austin is he's a 32 year old veteran, uh, the former eighth overall pick back in 2013. In fact, the bills were on the clock and they traded down back in 2013. That's when they ended up with EJ Manuel. But anyway, nine year veteran, the Bills are his fifth team, and they're his fourth team now in the last four years. Um, statistically, eh, uh, his best – he had 24 catches last year. He played with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. 24 catches, 213 yards, one touchdown, 8.9 yards per catch with Jacksonville. Last year, uh, his best season statistically was back in 2016. He had 58 catches for 509 yards and three touchdowns with the Rams. I know a lot of people are talking about him as a potential kick or punt returner. I will say it's worth noting statistically, at least anyway. He has not returned punts since uh, playing with Dallas back in 2019. And he hasn't returned kicks since 2017 uh, with the Rams. So before, yeah. again, before we talk about this group, which is a crowded wide receiver room, what are your thoughts right now on Tavon Austin? Well, there's good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, so... He's been a weird player for me all along. So back in, what was it, 2012 draft? 2013. Dra 2013 draft that he was drafted. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember he was in that range for the Bills, and there was a lot of arguments over Bills fans going nuts and, and wanting to add that type of weapon to this team mm -hmm. uh, back then. And I I got nervous about the the highlights were super fun. And he has great high school highlights, and he had great college mm -hmm. highlights, and he's a highlight machine. And I didn't know, you know, th those are always fun to watch, but they don't always translate. And I'll tell you, I've never maybe seen somebody who's probably carried more by their amateur career uh, to this long into their pro career. Because really, when you look at Tavon Austin as a pro, he hasn't like produced a whole no. lot as an NFL pro. So I don't know how that hype from the name itself hasn't worn off here over what has it been eight years or so career, nine year career nine. Uh, in the NFL. Like how does that not worn off where you realize that, okay, this guy is just a at best average fourth wide receiver on an NFL team, third wide receiver on an NFL team. And that's at best. Right. And then the other thing is he's probably below average. Um, and when you look at those highlights that he had, it was all speed and agility. And those are the things that wear off over time. The guy's 32 years old. Like he's definitely not, doesn't have that burst that he had in 2013 through 2016, like the season you said. And so right. this is weird to me when I saw the name pop up for the bills, I knew what type of reaction it was going to get because people like, um, 
you know what else I think plays into a lot of this is uh, Madden NFL football. I think probably a lot of people had him on Madden teams as like a, a fast mm-hmm. guy that they were able to make something work with. And, and so they know the name, they recognize the name, but this is, in my opinion, this is absolutely where the name itself carries way more value than the player itself does. I think this is a steep uphill climb to make a Buffalo Bills roster. Um, I'm fine with having him as a camp body. I'm ha- fine with having him be a guy that maybe pushes in the kick return thing. But like you said, it, it hasn't been a common thing where he's right out the end of his career as a solid kick returner either. He's not coming off. You know, somebody had said in my mentions, maybe it was a, uh, maybe this is the new Andre Roberts. It's like, well, you know, Andre Roberts came off a Pro Bowl returning right. season. He was one of the best returners in all of football when he came here. So it's not that. Uh, to me, it's more, they need bodies at this position through camp. Maybe it pushes that Isaiah McKenzie spot. Maybe, maybe it pushes Stevenson. And, and if it does, to in my opinion, they're not happy with the wide receiver ability of those players. And they're going to push him on that aspect of it because I just don't see it as a return thing. I think Shakir could probably deal with some of the return duties. I do think they're going to try to get it uh, for Isaiah McKenzie available again to do that and maybe uh, get, gain some faith in him. Uh, I just I don't see a, a scenario where Tavon Austin makes this 53-man roster, not as a 32-year-old that hasn't really produced. I, I'll say this. I understand to an extent why fans would be excited. You mentioned a lot of the points. He is a big name. He is known for speed. And I get it, too. There's a hole in the return game for the Bills. Clearly, Sean McDermott, last year at least anyway, did not trust Isaiah McKenzie, did not trust Marquez Stevenson. Right. Had Micah Hyde back there returning punts just because he was a guy he could trust to actually catch the football. And if he got a couple yards, that was a bonus. I get the desire and why fans could get excited about Tavon Austin. But again, when you look at the flat out, when you look at the numbers, it hasn't been there. And he's got four touchdowns over the last five NFL seasons. Right. And this, again, this is going to be the fourth team in four years yeah. that he's playing for, that he's trying to make this roster. Four teams in four years. And also, and again, not to rain on anybody's parade. I don't think you're being necessarily negative on the guy. We're just being realistic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say this too. He didn't get signed until the very end of May, you know, the beginning of June. He's been sitting right. around in free agency for what? Two months? No, more than two months. There's, got, there's a reason yeah. for that probably. You know what I'm saying? It's like, You see this happen all the time with older guys. I compared this more not to Andre Roberts coming. I compared it more to maybe like even Brandon Powell last year where they like kind of had him in and mm-hmm. doing a little bit of returns, maybe has a chance, a long, a long shot to make the roster, but he's gone in August at some point. I think that's what we see out of Austin. here. Yeah, I agree as well. Let, I'll tell you what, let's take a real quick break. I'm going to come back on the other side. I want to talk about some of the other wide receivers and what I think is a crowded room. And again, we'll, we'll have to wait for camp to really start to get a good idea, but maybe a, a preliminary um, look at how we think this might play out. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn, and we are talking Buffalo Bills wide receivers right now. All right, no conversation needed with Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis. Or I don't think Jameson Crowder either. I mean, those guys are locks. Um, Shakir is almost a lock. I mean, he would have to be, like, historically awful at training camp, I think, to not make the team. But you know what? Before that, though, 
let's talk about this for just one second. I, again, I have not had an opportunity to talk to you on the podcast. I talk to you all the time, but on the podcast, we haven't talked since before the draft. I get why people are really high on Khalil Shakir. I get it. Okay. He's a steal in the fifth round. He represents great value. And I am not trying to temper anyone's excitement for the kid whatsoever. Careful, Careful here. What are you saying? I'm pretty excited about him. Here's what I'm saying. If he was that, if he's that polished, if he's that, that good of a football player, how's he lasting in the fifth round? Hmm. And I'm not saying he can't be, and don't get me wrong. There's lots of, you know, mid to late round picks that turn out to be great. I, exactly. He could be the next step on these. I'm not saying he's not, but it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of good football teams. I, I, I get it. The first or second round, he was never that kind of prospect, but there were lots of teams in the picking in the third and fourth round sure. that didn't, uh, you know, that pass on the kid. And again, yeah. as I'm not saying he's not going to, he could end up being a stud in the NFL. Absolutely. Right. Some I of it. It's like, temper your expectations a little bit, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, well, so this one's a hard one for me, right? Because for so many years, we would see picks come into the bills during that drought run. And you needed all of them to make some impact for to, for your team to it's really true. get over that hump, right? Like you were mm-hmm. starting to really reach deep and say like, oh, well, if we can get this fifth round wide receiver to really come in and produce. The problem with that idea was that you didn't have the quarterback and you didn't have the structure. You weren't a good team. And so you right. were praying that these picks would come in and change the culture where now the Bills have the team. They're a consensus top team in the NFL by almost every estimation. They're favorites for the Super Bowl. You have one of the best three to five QBs, depending on who you talk to, in the world. And so I think it's a little bit more fair to say you see some talent at the college level. If it's going to translate immediately anywhere in the league, it's going to be teams like Buffalo, like Green Bay. And that's how New England was when Tom Brady was there. You would get these rookies and young wide receivers that nobody knew their names would come in and and play well because the system worked, because the team worked. And it provides and uh, you have a, a solid wide receiver room where everybody's he's not challenging Stefan Diggs role. He doesn't need to come in. Shakir really has no pressure to come in and produce Zero. in 2022, right? He could have a red shirt technically year like Gabe Davis did almost that first year. And that would be okay. And so it's really all playing with house money. And so I think that also allows for when he does get the opportunity to make an impact. There's no pressure on a rookie to come in and, and lift the t- organization out of a drought or anything like that. This is just all extra coming into a great situation, a great wide receiver room with one of the best QBs in the entire planet. I I get why fans get excited and say, oh, this could instantly hit. I agree with you in that, yes, those things all line up. And I do believe he's the kind of player that can come into the NFL right away and, ha- and be a productive player. I'm not saying he's going to come in and blow the doors off this and be one of the best rookies we've seen but he could come in right away and be a productive player one we don't want that to happen the top three wide receivers we want to stay healthy we want those guys to make a super bowl run we want this kid to learn the game alongside them and get his reps when he wants to but i do see it from fans in that hey if it's gonna happen it could happen here but i agree that you know maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit in that this guy might just have a hard time seeing the field in order to even be an immediate productive player. It would have, it might have to come in special teams in that return game that we we're talking about a bit ago. Yeah. Especially as a rookie, when you have Crowder out there, yeah. um, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be that third receiver. He's going to be that slot guy. McKenzie's going to have I, there could be a scenario up. where Shakir's good enough to push Crowder towards the end of the year. We've seen McDermott sure. being in this organization not always necessarily ready to throw rookies out there right away and get them in the file, but you know, they are willing to give them those reps as the season progresses, if they see it. And so I could see a scenario where they know that Crowder is not a long-term answer for this team where those reps could end up to Shakir over time. But yet to start the season, I don't think he's going to be able to crack in there a lot in terms of getting those touches. Cause if McKenzie does make this roster and we'll talk about him probably, I'm sure too, you're manufacturing touches for him because that's all he does. If he's not a kick returner or a punt returner, all he is is, hey, let's manufacture this guy X amount of touches a game. And then that keeps Shakir off the field. Right. Given McKenzie those touches. I agree 100%. And one good thing about a kid like Shakir is when he does see the field, he's not going to get that much attention because there's going to be a lot of attention on Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And OJ Howard. OJ Howard is Crowder also going to dip in. Right. James this. Cook coming out of the backfield. Yes. So, so Shakira's going to be in some uh, 
very winnable matchups. And that's kind of how yeah. I feel about Jamison Crowder, who's going to play. There's only one ball to go around. Than. That's the other problem with this Bills team sure and, and the type of production. I think everybody thinks, you know, Gabe Davis is going to produce big. All these guys are going to produce big. There's, I think some will that we'll probably get two guys that produce at like really good levels, but then everyone else is going to be fighting over that one ball that goes around. And, you know, Diggs is going to get his targets. I'm hoping that they increased Austin Knox targets. I think that he's earned that to be one of those top three targets on this team. And so that starts to, you know, I know our friend Bruce Nolan likes to talk about his polarity pies and all of his pie charts and mm-hmm. stuff. There's not a lot of pie left for these guys, for, uh, you know, your Khalil Shakiras to get production out of the, the, the one ball that goes around. Yeah, I agree. And so I'll tell you, let's, let's say this again, unless he has like a historically bad camp or he gets injured, he's going to be on the 53 man roster uh, when the season starts. So uh, let's go ahead and put him in pen. All right. So we'll have four receivers that are definitely going to be locks. Now you're left with Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Marquez Stevenson, Jake Kumaro, um, and Tavon Austin. And I guess we get to Isaiah Hodgins in there as well guys who i think and this is what kind of interests me is they bring various different things to the table jake kumaro is become a really good special teams player um marquez stevenson to me, he's the probably the most lock out of that tier that you just talked about because of that special teams ability i was gonna yeah i want to get that to that with you because and i will say this about isaiah mckenzie this is just my opinion i think that he's going to go into training camp this summer I think, don't know it, but I think he's going to be given the opportunity to be this team's kick and butt returner again. I think Sean McDermott might go into camp with a clean slate with him. I think he's going to need to be in some fashion a kick returner to have any real consistent, useful uh, purpose with this team. Now, we've talked about, we did talk about Isaiah McKenzie before Tavon signed and before they drafted Shakir. We don't think he's a mortal lock to make this roster based on the contract that they gave him. I know you felt that way at the time, and I know you feel that way right now as well. Yeah, I'm not on the Isaiah McKenzie hype train at all, and I'm not a hater. I think for who he is and what he is, I think there's a role for him on an NFL team. I think it's super limited. Uh, I don't want to see him as a kicker punt returner. I'm I'm past that personally. I think – you know, it's that Maya Angelou quote I use all the time with Isaiah McKenzie is like when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And he is for six years now, I think, in the NFL, he's had one struggle, which is ball security as a punt right. and kick returner. And it just is who he is. And there's bad decision making in and the, there's some real special plays mixed in there, too. But the thing you want the most on special teams is consistency right and so you thought you were gonna maybe get yeah yeah, trust and consistency and we thought maybe we would get that with stevenson and that was up and down too willing to give him a little bit more of a chance because we're talking about a six-year veteran seven-year veteran versus a two-year player but i i think you know that battle also does include shakir and since he's a lock that's in my opinion is the best case scenario is he becomes your returner uh for this year and maybe you're able to move away from Stevenson and maybe you do keep McKenzie on the 53, but maybe he's more of a matchup at game day active player be. because he's, he's super limited and he's not going to be a guy. If he's not a punt or kick returner, he's not running down the field and tackling guys on special teams. Right. So you're talking about keeping a guy on your roster and on that active roster that what's he going to get with this. If this lineup is healthy that we're talking about, you're going to have to find him those manufactured jet sweep touches or the snaps will be him being sort of a decoy in that motion role where he's not actually getting the ball. So maybe he's getting 10 snaps a game. Maybe like I, that's a tough pill to swallow when your roster so good and so deep at a lot of positions and you're going to want to carry more depth at certain positions to keep a guy that's super limited when you have, young guys behind him or a, a guy like a Jake Krumro who can get on special teams and be a core special teams contributor and get a lot more snaps in and meaningful snaps in. It's just hard to then hang on to a guy like McKenzie, but the fans love him. The team seems to love him. They put him in all the media stuff that they can. I think that there is an additional thing that gives him value off the field that Sean McDermott likes is the guys like being around Isaiah McKenzie. He's a fun dude in the locker room. Everybody kind of roasts him a little bit. He's that guy that everyone keeps around and they all give him shit for being small and all that stuff. I think to Sean McDermott and Brandon being on the camaraderie side, the locker room side, there's a lot of weight 
that that's, yeah, that's not nothing. Yeah, that's, it's not. That's not, to not them, nothing. It's not. That's not nothing. I agree 100%. You know, completely unrelated to the receivers. I, I just got to throw this in there. I like Isaiah McKenzie. I don't, God, I wish he wouldn't change his uniform number. I hate looking at him at number six. I'm, and I am that I'm guy. I'm so sick of that modern. Nobody NFL. gives a shit. I know. I no, no, just, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm sick of, I don't want, uh, keep 19, man. I hated that. Yeah. I, <laughs> linebackers need to be in the 50s and 40s. Yeah. Come on, man. Enough. Of Honestly, that shit. I, don't, I don't even like wide receivers in the teens. No. I don't. I like no, 80s. Man. Give me, me the too. 80s all the time. I think it looks best. Me too. I at least live with the teens, but I, I I hate the single digits. I think our this podcast just turned into what are the uh, the two old dudes from uh, the Muppets that sit up <laughs> there. In the I yeah. was just thinking as I'm talking about this, like I may as well call up uh, Buffalo Wins Joe and yeah. get him on this podcast. Just a bunch of old guys bitching about the, the glory days. <laughs> let me let, let, let's play this game. So we already got four receivers that are a lock, and let's assume there's going to be no injuries because injuries obviously change the game, of course. Yeah. Let's take. Mackenzie Stevenson, Kumaro, Austin, and Hodgins. So that's one, two, three. That's what is that? Five guys there? Five guys. Why are you leaving out Tanner Gentry, bro? That's Josh yeah. Allen's guy, bro. Yeah, no. Come on, man. <laughs> I want you to pick the two that you think are the most likely Wait, if they were to keep six. So or we got Javon? four. So we got Diggs, Gabe Davis, right. Crowder, and Shakir. Th- so them four McKenzie, you can put in Stevenson, 10. Hodgins, Kumaro, and Austin. Yeah, I want you to take two. Let's just say they're going to keep six on the roster to start the season. So if you can only keep two, who are the two that you think, again, barring injury, that you think right now, and a lot could change between now and, of course, you know, late August or whatever. But as you're, right. as you're feeling it right now, give me the two that you think are most likely to make the roster, and then we'll go up to three in case, if they keep seven receivers, which I'm not sure that they're going to. Um, I think it would have to be Mackenzie and Kumaro. In my opinion, yeah, um, I, I could see it being the summer being a battle between Stevenson and McKenzie, but Stevenson I think has a bit of an uphill climb because he did struggle as a rookie, and they they could cut bait on that, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. They could cut bait on Stevenson, and that's not going to hurt them long term. Where I, I think they would rather, if all things were equal, they would keep McKenzie just for the what we talked about the off the field stuff in the locker right. room and being a vet and being a guy that they do trust. He has shown that he can produce in the NFL, right? Like that New England game. Well, I knock that he took advantage and the Bills took advantage of a matchup and uh, Bill Belichick refusing to total to do anything to adapt in that game and they just continue to take advantage of sure. it. I don't think that's who Isaiah McKenzie is, but there is some proof at the NFL level that there's production, there's film on him that's shown him to be able to do something and, and come in in a pinch as your fourth, fifth wide receiver and help your team out and make plays at the NFL level. And even if he is that fourth, fifth wide receiver in certain game matchups, if you go up against a team that plays heavily, man, you're going up against Bill Belichick again. And he wants to put miles Bryant on your slot receiver. Well, shit, let's throw Isaiah McKenzie out there and see if we can get another big game, right? Like he gives you that tool that does allow you to be more multiple does allow you to do some of the things with the jet sweep thing. But he's just so limited as a player that it's also tough. But uh, so I think he has the edge over Stevenson. I think is, Steven, is Stevenson's path to this roster purely if he comes in the summer and he he's got to win that return as, a, as, a, as a returner? Like he's the guy. He's got to win it hands the, down. Yeah, he's got to win it hands down to be the kick and the punt right. returner. Basically, right. you're Andre Roberts. Is is that Marquez Stevenson's one he realistic to. path to this yeah. roster? I think so. It's got to be if he and then. You know, maybe over time he can develop into that Isaiah McKenzie role additionally, uh, and that you can manufacture him some touches on the offense. I'd be fine with that. But yeah, I think he needs to come out this summer and be so much better than Shakir as an option at that and decision making stuff like that. That you have to additionally keep this extra guy that is also limited on your roster because he's your kick and return guy. There's no other way that you can keep a guy like this. Not with I think they're going to have to lose some veteran uh, special teams guys this year. They're going to, you know, come August that are just going to be casualties of a deep roster and you're not going to be able to keep all of them. They already have lost some. We know Andre Smith has that suspension that could hurt him for the year. So you're lo- you, there's always turning over in that veteran special sure. teams stuff. And so, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to prioritize that. So if you're not contributing in that manner, if you're not a, re- a return specialist and you're not going to, re- I don't see Stevenson doing what Jake Kumro does on special teams that it's going to be a tough path to the roster. Otherwise, I think 
for Stevenson to make the roster. Again, barring no injuries, I, I think the Bills ultimately would have to keep the seventh receiver then and determine sure. that he's basically going to be your your Andre Roberts, and he would have a lot to prove mm-hmm. over the course of There's training a- camp in the preseason for that to happen. Yeah, he's also a player that I... I'm not sure he there's enough on him where if they cut him that that wouldn't be an easy stashing on the practice squad. Like maybe NFL feels better about him. Maybe this, this somebody would fall in love with that speed and try to put a claim in. But most guys that get cut don't get claimed. So I could see a, that is probably the most likely scenario where they continue to groom him. All right. So when it comes to Isaiah McKenzie, we both agree that for reasons matchup, even if it's just a couple times per year, he might be a good matchup. Maybe he'll make yeah. the roster for that reason. Plus, what he brings off the field in the locker room, as you talked about. And Kumaro, uh, for obvious reasons, he's a great special teams player. He's turning a really good special teams player, by Absolutely. the way. So I think one thing that we agree with then is even if the Bills do keep seven, it's very unlikely, again, I keep saying it, barring injury, I think we both think that Tavon Austin is going to be a, a former Buffalo Bill yeah. before week one of the of this regular season. Well, you know what the big thing is, and uh, Greg made a point of this the other day on one of our shows, is you look at this lineup, and it is pretty stacked, and, and you like a lot of the players for this Bills wide receiver room. One of the things that scares me, and we talk about the potential of injuries, is you know Tavon Austin doesn't address, if Gabriel Davis goes down, what are you doing at your second outside wide receiver, right? Like Jameson Crowder is not kicking out to the outside. Shakir maybe can. I think that he's shown some of that in college where he can play, you know, sly, he can play on the outside, he can do it all. But will he be at that spot? Is he ready yet to come in and take those reps for Gabe Davis? Hodgkins maybe could be, but he was supposed to be more of a big slot kind of player. I don't see a guy on this roster and Tavon Austin bringing him in. I I thought they might bring a wide receiver in, but I didn't know that it would be one that also doesn't fill that role. And so if there's a chink in the armor of the construction of this, again, this is me assuming that I'm not sure if Shakir is ready to just come in right away and take those type, that type of production. That is kind of the chink in the armor here is if Diggs or Davis goes down for any amount of time is then you become kind of a really limited, small, full of slot receipt. Like you have to get real creative and then maybe that goes back to Dorsey. And I think in this sort of conversation, we do we need to include Dawson Knox and OJ Howard because I think they're going to be very much involved in this pass catching game. And so it, it just changes some of that, though, on the outside that. You don't have that guy and that type of flexibility. The only type of flexibility I see is that if a Crowder goes down, then you could work in Shakir. You could work in McKenzie. Stevenson might be able to do some of that stuff in the slide. If you kept it, Tavon Austin, that's really where he would shine. And so you have a lot of that backup, but we're not seeing anything. It's a lot of chips are seem to be all in on Davis being a true number two wide receiver and doing that for an entire year. Yeah, and I think that comes down to his health. I think if he stays healthy, I think he's a legitimate bona fide uh, yeah, yeah. number two for sure at this point. All right, so it'll be something to to keep a big interest in going into camp is do the Bills keep six or seven at wide receiver? I think that's going to be a good storyline. I We both think Tavon Austin has a tough path to making the roster, and we both think Marquez Stevens is going to have to have one hell of a training camp in preseason, very likely returning kicks uh, to see himself make this roster. I, I want to turn our attention quickly before we get out of here. Josh Allen. All right. So he's great. Peter King wrote a column on Monday and he talked about, he had a list of the most influential NFL people this season. And he had mm-hmm. Josh Allen, right? Ty, number seven. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, I got it up. If not, I'm going to read this to you quickly. Um, Peter King writes about Josh Allen and he's number seven on his list of uh, the most influential NFL people, which by the way, top six was Roger Goodell. Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Rob Walton, who's a prospective next Denver Broncos owner, and um, Marie uh, Donahue, who is uh, the Amazon VP slash global sports video. Anyway, Peter King said this about Josh Allen. Allen's here because he's the quarterback on the best team in the league entering the season. The best test of a quarterback's influence on a franchise is the TV schedule. And Allen's rookie year 2018, the morbid or the Morbin Bills played 15 games at 1 o'clock Sunday. Man, I missed that. And one Monday night game in Allen's fifth year. 2022, the Bills have been booked for the season opener at the Super Bowl champion Rams. Two Monday night games, one Amazon Thursday game, one Thanksgiving game, a CBS double header gem at Kansas City, and one of the best games of this year's schedule. 
Green Bay at Buffalo Sunday night, week eight. Allen's out front row with the Bills. The Buffalo supermarket shooting in May is an example of how he's morphing from a lesser-known college player, Wyoming, to a guy who's ready for the bright lights of NFL stardom. Scoring 83 points in eight postseason quarters helps. The way the Bills ended the season was reminiscent of the Jim Kelly K-Gun offense, putting up 95 points in the division and conference title games in the 1990 playoffs. Now Allen will try to finish the job. Kelly's Bills never could and will be watching. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think you actually, it's going to sound such a homer take. I think you probably maybe could have put him higher. I think he's top five in influential. I think Josh Allen, I say this all the time, and I don't know if I'm even fully articulating the point that I want to make with it is I got, I got little kids. We talked about it earlier. My kid's six now, and uh, he was running around the neighborhood with other friends, and they're all talking about Josh Allen and the Bills mm-hmm. and stuff, and they love Josh Allen. And, and I try to think of, man, what it would be like to be a six-year-old kid looking up at Josh Allen, who is just this massive, he's larger than life, dude playing with the biggest guys most athletic guys in the world and this guy's just a huge superhero like figure a greek god playing with these guys and the things he does slinging the ball down the field jumping over dudes stiff arming defensive linemen like it's it's almost scripted like this is some comic book superhero that plays football for these kids and then you you take all that on field stuff and then you take the off the field package and the you know, Shai's Children's Hospital and his embracing of this community. And, you know, he just did the the golf thing with Aaron Rodgers. That's a big and deal. Tom Brady, for your quarterback, I said this, my, my brother's a Bears fan, and they haven't really had a true franchise QB. And that's a great franchise. That's a one of the biggest markets in football. And they, they've had some success. And we talk about how, how weird it is still for me as a fan that my quarterback of my team, my favorite quarterback of my team, got asked to be with, fucking Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are talking about Super Bowls and MVPs and endorsement deals. And it's like the Buffalo Bills quarterback was invited to be in this because he's such a draw and because people just want to see him and be a part of the, what he's got and the charisma. He doesn't not, right. jo- not Joey Burrow, not Matt Stafford. There's no, a lot of other. I think those, some of those guys are right in that sure, next year, sure, but Josh right. Allen has officially been invited to the table. Of yeah, he's, the, a, he's, the he's a legit star now, to your point. He has yeah. literally become bigger than life. And I'm old enough that I can remember I'm an older adult now watching yeah. Josh Allen be larger than life. And I was young enough then to remember Jim Kelly being larger than life. And mm-hmm. I still, to this day, remember when Jim Kelly or, or Bruce Smith, Thurman, when those guys would show up at a bar or a restaurant or whatever store you were at, it was a big, big, big deal. Yeah, it's kind of like that with Josh. Now he has that big time superstardom, almost comic book superhero, like you said. And Yo. it's not hype; it's no. legit. I yeah. will and earn. You're it's talking all about earned. being a, you're talking about being a homer. I'll be a homer too. Then I guess because I still I will take this to my grave until I see otherwise. His two game stretch against the Patriots and the Chiefs is the best I've ever best seen a ever. quarterback. Best quarterbacking we've ever, ever seen in our life. I've never seen any quarterback in any time ever play better than Josh Allen did no. against the Patriots and the Chiefs. So Absolutely. he's backing it up on the field. They're the Super Bowl favorites. Uh, he's the betting favorite to Good win. Guy, nice guy. He's clean. He's like funny. he's just got a clean image. Uh, he's he, You can put him on milk cereal cartons, and but he can also joke around with the adults. Like he really he bridges all the gaps. He's fun. I just I was out telling uh, some of the kids in the neighborhood. No, I have a podcast. No, I have a show. And uh, we we're out there talking with our kids. And I was like, I got to get going. And one of them was like, Oh, what are you talking about tonight? I said, No, oh, I'm a guest on a show. We're talking bills. You talking about Josh Allen? I was like, Man, we always talk about Josh Allen. And they're like, You ever met him? And I was like, No, have you? And they're like, No, but I want it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We're all just like, There's this superstar that's just hanging out in our area, and everybody just wants a piece of it. It, uh, two of the kids were wearing Josh Allen shirts, like his jersey sell. You're going to see an influx of Buffalo Bills fans. I'm not from Buffalo. I don't have family roots in Buffalo. I'm a Bills fan because of Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith were such a draw. It drew me in. We haven't had that for 20 years where we had a hard time keeping the younger generation that lived in Buffalo interested in this team because they were so bad. Now you're getting people from all over the world. Our YouTube comments are from all over the place. Our cover one Slack channels from all over the place of people becoming Bills fans because of Josh Allen, because of that draw. So again, I think one, I think you could just fucking dump 
Deshaun Watson. He's not influential at all. I don't agree with that. I think there's a draw to the publicity of his story that right. uh, has yeah. influence in it, but I don't even want to give that guy any type of credit of, of anything. Get him right. out of there and bump Josh Allen up into the top five. I'll tell you what. I agree with you about Deshaun Watson, by the way. I, I think that's disgusting. And, and I just, I don't want to get off topic here because we're talking Josh Allen and positivity yeah. here. But, but talk about I, two I, polar I, I, opposites I, of a guy who can't I, exactly. can do anything wrong and a guy that is the worst. I just, I get track. a feeling that, that guy's never going to see an NFL field again. Nor should he. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a lifelong Bills fan and I know you're a big time Bills fan right now. And I, if Deshaun Watts, if we didn't have, if, we, if the Bills didn't have Josh Allen, and Deshaun Watson was, and he was the quarterback. I wouldn't want to watch his team. I, I would be very much against him. I probably still would ultimately watch him. I'm not going to lie. I don't but think I, I would be very much against it. I'd have very a tough much. time rooting for him, looking in my wife's eye and talking to her that I care about women and like stuff like that. If I was going to cheer on a guy you, like you know, that, I'm a lifelong Yankees fan, dude. And when they traded for a Rod, I thought he was the biggest douche on earth, and I had the hardest time ever rooting for a Rod when he was with the Yankees and he didn't do nowhere near a, le- the, 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 a lot of the shit that Deshaun allegedly is. Anyway, <laughs> I want to get off that. But what yeah. I will say circling back to Josh Allen is this, it's one thing to be loved. It's another thing to have great character, um, you know, and be a very popular polarizing figure like Brian Fitzpatrick, who we're going to end with in just a second. I was gonna say you're yeah, here. The difference, yeah. the difference is Josh Allen just completely does it on the field as well. He gives you a reason to be a fan for what he does on the field, just as much as he does off. He's the best quarter. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's the best quarterback to ever wear a Buffalo Bills uniform. Talent wise. There's never Absolutely. been a, a dynamic player like Absolutely. him to wear a Buffalo Bills uniform. And there's a chance. I don't know if it'll happen. There's a chance. And it's a very real chance. And I maybe put money on it. If you could, he might, he has a chance to become the best quarterback to ever play of the game and i'm not bullshitting you like I, I could say that with a straight face because that your that two game stretch we just saw i don't think he can do that consistently uh week in and week out but he can do that at any point he can put together crazy seasons like we've seen the historical seasons of patrick mahomes he can do that and he can do more than that i don't think he's even totally hit his ceiling yet uh as the game starts to slow down more and more from him as they get more weapons for him Eric and those guys are going to do a show. Uh, they're doing the film room tonight, uh, Tuesday night here, talking about how evasive he is. He's still like, if they ever fix that offensive line for him and actually give him time, like who knows where the ceiling could go, right? There's a real chance. Josh Allen becomes in that conversation of best ever. Uh, well, certainly amongst, he has the chance to become in the conversation amongst the most talented quarterbacks yeah. to ever play most successful asking the seven, two balls. Is an awful lot. And, Wings and are not a quarterback a, stat, as Bruce would tell you. And, and yeah, and there, listen, the AFC is very loaded too. It but is, to yeah. your point, there's not a game going forward right now where when the Bills take the field, where I don't think they have the better quarterback. Let's just put it that way. And I know you agree with that as well. Uh, we, I mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I do got to hit on this quickly. He's retired, um, 17 years in the league. Yeah. I look. What a handsome guy. He, I, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. man. I, I truly do. 17-year career, and he spent four with the Bills. I want to be careful here because I don't want to get beat up by fans. So I want to tread this carefully. I know why fans love him so much. He's a likable dude. He's a He was a, a gunslinger, a gambler. He has consistently talked about, he has said many times, Buffalo was the favorite place he's ever played in. Of right. course, the famous... Uh, Playoff game last year when it's freezing cold out and he's got no shirt on in the stands. He's a he's a Buffalonian for life. He's a Bill for life. Yeah, not taking that away from him. But dude, dude wasn't really that good though. <laughs> just Come gonna on. be honest with you. Seventeen years forward the Bills. I, I looked up some stats. And I'm sorry, I am gonna be that guy. A twenty and twenty three record, eighty touchdowns, but he threw sixty four picks. He only averaged two hundred eleven passing yards per game and completed fifty nine point eight percent of his passes. Uh, with the Bills. Yep. Passing yard, single season in team history, he had the 5th, 10th, and 22nd. Better than pedestrian, but mm-hmm. I mean, again, he, he's a very popular player. He deserves right. to be considered one of the most popular players, but anything more than that, nah. I mean, he, weren't, he, he wasn't that good, man. He wasn't, I mean, yeah, no, he wasn't great. He's, he's a... Right. Uh, 
you know, bottom of the NFL starter, maybe a backup caliber player. Um, I totally understand where the fan. He was fun. There was a, it was a, at really towards the end of the drought. It had been a long run of the media being up on us. Nobody wants to be in Buffalo. Bills fans suck. This team sucks. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be here. Nobody wants to play. You got to pay everybody more money to come there. And then you get this guy who just, he was really, it was like him, Fred Jackson, Aaron Williams eventually got in on it. Who really, Stevie Johnson, that team embraced the city. They embraced that, who they were, the drought. They wore those terrible freaking uniforms. Like it was, it was almost like a parody movie, like, you know, uh, major leagues. That That's what that team was like. It was full of characters and they gave it their all. And they were, they were close to being better teams that I think those, those Chan Gailey, Ryan Fitzpatrick teams should have broken the drought. I think Chan should have got another year. I think they should have rolled with Fitzpatrick for another year. He was good enough to win games with. And that was something that we really just didn't have with any consistency for any period of time. There was always, you know, you had saw a few games from Trent Edwards and then you had the injury. You saw a few games maybe from JP Lossman and then it just fell apart. It just always that where Fitzy, you know, he had the Fitzpatrick moments where he'd blow a, a, you know, bad interception at the end of a game or something, but he seemed to always give you hope like, Hey, we can go in and win a game with Fitzy because everyone's going to play around him. And when you look at it, he wasn't that bad in terms of all time bills quarterback. Oh, yeah, he won bills quarterbacks is terrible, right? Like it's fourth, in he's, completion yeah. percentage and top ten passes, he's probably a like, top five Bills quarterback. That yeah. which is, tells you a lot about the state of the the history yeah. of the franchise with quarterback. And with with fans, it matters personality because I don't th- I don't think he's a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. Like I think me neither. He, he and Tyrod are probably close. I think Tyrod I would give Tyrod the edge as far as quarterback play uh, for the Buffalo Bills. But Tyrod's personality, he was fine. He said the right things, but he didn't have the connecting personality with the community that Ryan Fitzpatrick does. And in a community like Buffalo, it matters. Like if you fully embrace and buy into the culture, you can be mediocre and be beloved. Fred Jackson was a mediocre running back. He, Fred Jackson doesn't deserve to be on the wall of fame. But if I say that on Twitter, I might get canceled. Like I could say a hundred other things, but if I say Fred Jackson doesn't belong on the the wall of fame, he doesn't. People will burn, burn me to the ground. It happens he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. And look, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a Buffalonian for life. That dude should never have to buy a drink so at a bar. Yeah. Right. Never have to buy a, a you know a drink at the bar. Don't never have the to flag at our game burger. anytime you want. Right. Lead the charge. I like him. I just, I think some fans think more of him as a player than I did. And not that he was terrible. Again, he probably was a top five quarterback in this franchise's history, which is, not good, but yeah, Fred Jackson, yeah. like him, popular guy, but no. Yeah. But bonus question, real quick, because I actually did a podcast on this a couple of weeks ago. Talked about Jerry Hughes mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people on Twitter who say he should go on the Bills Wall of Fame, and I don't think he should. But I want to get your take on that. What's your honest opinion? I would not until Aaron Trouble does. Yeah, I got a list right, of like, like six or seven guys. Well, I'm um, just talking to that position, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, I'm not even entertaining this until even defensive lineman wise kyle should be up there before him, and, and i don't even know if kyle is he will he, i think i think he will but i think he's also borderline that caliber sure. of player to put on your wall uh but i you can make an argument that convinces me of it but jerry i would have a tough time and i'm a jerry defender i really liked him i loved his career here i know he you meant, did meant a lot to this team but I don't know that he's that good. What happens for Jerry is the same thing that you're really, when people talk about the statistics for uh, Fred Jackson, when people bring up his rushing yards with the bills, it's like, okay, but it's a longevity stat. Like he had one good season and then was a longevity stat from there because the bills weren't able to keep running backs for more than one, two years. Like if Travis Henry played the same amount of years with any type of production that Fred Jackson had, he'd be a hall of famer, not a wall of famer. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think Jerry's thing is that he's been here for a long time in consideration of how players have been. So I get that draw, but I don't think the production's there. So again, not until Schobel's up. I would say, come talk to me. And I did say this already. Come talk to me after 
Ruben Brown and Eric Moles and oh, Will sure. Wolford, Wolford, and you know, a couple other guys as well. Once they're up, I just want to get your take on that. Before I let you go, man, I do got to ask you, I put this on Twitter on, uh, we're taping this Monday night. So sometime on Monday, cause I'm, I am binging a show right now. I asked people on Twitter and I'm going to ask you this. Which show are you binging right now? What show? Tell me. Um, not one that you've seen. Cause I think you included it on a list of ones that you hadn't, um, better call Saul. Oh no. God. I love, I'm actually in the, I love I'm, better I'm, call Saul. I, all right. Well, I'm halfway through season five right now. There's five and a half. See, I think they did the first half of season six, which is the final. So season. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I can't watch TV illegally. So don't tell me how to do that. I, uh, my <laughs> wife talking like I'm a criminal. Uh, oh, I, can't well, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, uh, I wish I could right now because, uh, we were watching it. I have YouTube TV. So I was watching the episodes, not live, but back watching them. And we were about a week behind cause we were watching another show. It, it took a minute. And then we watched episode one and then, uh, the Buffalo shooting happened. My wife was working a lot during that period of time. We did not get to watch anything for like a week and a half. Then she went away and then we went to watch it back and YouTube pulled all the old episodes. So episodes two, three are not on YouTube anymore. I can't watch them. So I signed up for AMC plus last night mm. thinking that, well, fuck if I pay AMC, I can watch anything I want. Same thing. I go over to AMC. They don't have those episodes. They, they, they pulled off at a certain amount of time, those episodes. So now we're just in limbo waiting to find a way to be able to watch episodes two and three because four and five are still available on those other platforms. So I, anyway, I'm very upset about better call Saul right now. Cause I want <laughs> I heard the half a season is really freaking awesome and ends really great. And I think it's a better, I breaking bad was my favorite show ever of all time. And I think better call Saul is better I, until the end of it. But I think so far, I think it's a better produced show. I, I just think it's all around better show. I can't get there yet because I still got more show to watch. Like I said, yeah, I'm yeah. about halfway through season five and now they're halfway through season six. So I still got a ways to go before I could say it's better than Breaking Bad. I I will say this. I constantly, you know, I power rank everything in the world. I think I have Breaking Bad as like my 10th or 11th favorite show ever. It's like borderline top 10 for me. Kind of Better Call Saul is the same way in that, man, it's just, it's tense. The action is awesome at times, but man, sometimes there's a difference between build up and just, all right, man, well, something happened already. I just feel like there's a lot of empty spaces. And I know a lot of his character development and stuff. Sometimes it just feels really slow paced for me. So that's where I struggle to really, uh, to enjoy those shows. But what I asked people and I'm asking you, and if you're listening to this or watching this, asking you as well, I asked people to name, uh, I said, what's the most popular TV show or TV shows that you've either never watched or barely watched that are wildly popular. Now this isn't shows that you watch and you say, Oh my God, everyone loves them, but I think they suck. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking you for, shows that you think suck that everyone else likes yeah. what are a couple of shows that you have barely watched at all or you, you know you didn't literally haven't watched at all that are very popular and talked about uh, mine is uh mad men lost stranger things and i got these lists because a lot of people respond i'm like oh shit i haven't seen these either mad men lost stranger things Star Trek, any of the Star Treks when it was on TV, even back in the day. Oh, you're killing me. And awesome. then a couple HBO ones, Six Feet Under and Deadwood. I don't know in the grand oh, scheme. Oh, Deadwood, bro. I don't oh. know how popular those are compared to some of the other ones. But Deadwood's not a super popular, uh, but it should be. I never watched any of those. What are uh, what are a couple shows that are really popular, but you have yeah. not watched for whatever reason? Well, so I told, I, I responded to you. One thing, for some reason, me and my wife cannot get into network television like anything on nbc cbs any of those stations for some reason nowadays it's like a there's a a difference in the production quality of like an hbo show sure and a lot of the netflix series and those tv ones have just not gotten past like the uh, big bang i can't watch anything that's like a the old 90s 2000s like in studio on set laugh track right stuff i can't do it anymore they don't, don't really make many of those look like that anymore. No, but what well, on network TV they, they do. Try, they always have some last. some wife and husband show. Yeah, yeah there's always something being on it when I'm watching football on Sundays. They're like, hey, don't <laughs> stay tuned in for Mike and Molly or whatever it is. Right, like, right, 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 right. Who does that anymore? <laughs> um, so I don't watch any of that. Like, this is us. I know you're a fan of that one. Big fan. It seems super corny to me. I haven't, not. I haven't even I haven't even looked into it. Um, 
Uh, I think you like it, by the way. I know you well. I've gotten to know you over the last handful of years. I actually don't. I think you're wrong. And I think you would. I'm wrong all the really, time. You're a sensitive guy. Yeah. You wear your heart on your sensitive. sleeve. You yeah. wear your emotions on your sleeve. I I'm think if you sensitive. if you gave that show a real opportunity and then quit after two or three episodes and really got into it, I think you would be pleasantly surprised. You'd probably cry a lot, too. I, I did. Anyway, go ahead. Cry. I don't want to cry enough <laughs> in real life. Um, it's not always bad crying, though. Sure. It's happy crying. Sure. Um, the How I Met Your Mother, Big Bang Theory, like those are super popular. I've never seen any of it. Uh, Entourage is one. And I'm a big fan of like HBO content. I just sort of missed it in that time period and haven't gone back. And I don't know if going back, if it's too dated. At this point, it looks quite dated to me that those early 2000 shows, mid 2000 mm-hmm. shows. Mad Men is one you referenced. That's one I actually did watch like two episodes of it. And just It fell flat for me, but that's happened before. There was something I just watched through. I don't remember what I was. I watched so much shit. Uh, Breaking that- Bad for me, Aaron. I, I, I tried watching Breaking Bad three or four different times before I finally kept watching past the second episode and ultimately very much got into it but me too man peaky blinders that was the one for me is i watched i did watch a couple and it fell flat and then i came back to it like two years later and i just binged it i just loved it the other day uh and so those are ones um wandavision is a super popular Mm -hmm. one that i haven't touched yet that i'm I'm interested in but there's a bunch of uh uh, popular tv that i think if if i thought long and hard enough about it uh that i've never seen any of it i've put like I said, I put this on Twitter and also my Facebook. And the most popular ones that I saw, a lot of people. Game a lot of, of Breaking Thrones. Bad. A lot of Breaking Bad. Yes. Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Those were the two that I, I would I say saw if you haven't most. watched Game of Thrones, not. Drew, I think it was Drew from Rock Pile Report. He's, he might be the first person in America that I personally know that never watched an episode of The Sopranos before. Yeah, it's weird. My wife, <laughs> I was kind of annoyed when. Uh, like two or three years ago, my wife told me she never watched it. And we had ha- already had HBO for like a couple of years. And I was like, what the? like, that's what we're doing right now. And she ended up loving it. And I was like, what do we guys do? Or like, I might not have married you if you told me that. I will not, I guarantee you by, if, I, if we were doing a show Friday, I'd be talking to you about Better Call Saul. Cause I'm going to be finishing that shit in the next uh, 24 hours. I think I got four more episodes left from five. And then I got to watch what the first five, I think from uh, yeah the last season or whatever. Anyway, all right, give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716 Make sure you check out the Cover One podcast. Aaron, Greg Thompson. By the way, I'm going to have Greg on next week, so looking forward to that. You know, I always love having you on the podcast, man. Good talk today as always, man. Oh, always good to talk to you, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, I'll be back with a new episode, Casual Friday, with my buddy Joe Yernan. Talk to you guys soon.